0: Our scripture reading today actually comes from the book of Lamentations, and this is chapter 3, beginning uh, in verse 19. It says, I will remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. I well remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope, because of the Lord's great love, We are not consumed, for his compassions never fail. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. God, may you bless the hearing of your word today. And let us be those who even in when we are downcast, when we are in despair, we can seek the Lord. Today, we're going to begin a, a new kind of short little series for the next several weeks, looking at an Old Testament book, the book of Nehemiah. You see those passages, the verses we just read uh, from Lamentations, were were of grief and of sorrow because the city of Jerusalem had been destroyed. The nation of Judah had gone into exile uh, during the Babylonian captivity. About 70 years later, the Persians let people come home. And as the people of God begin to trickle back, that they started to rebuild and rebuild their homes and ultimately the temple. The story of Nehemiah is one where, even though the rebuilding was occurring, the people were in trouble. So let's look together um, at God's Word. We're calling it broken over brokenness, and I don't know if you are disappointed so far um, or if you have been somewhat disappointed in, in perhaps the Super Bowl was supposed to happen today, and the Ravens are not there. Anybody else feeling a little uh, sorrow? There were some, there were some hope, uh, but the Bills seem to have pulled out some things. And I, you know, who knows? I, I, I don't know what you thought about those games. I don't know if you're planning to watch the Super Bowl. My wife's team, she's a die-hard Dallas Cowboy fan. Her hopes were pretty much dashed on week one. <laughs> I mean, I know it. You know, I don't know why she likes it. My brother even over Christmas bought her a Dallas Cowboy. Remember the glory years? Anybody remember the glory years? The Troy Aikmans, the you know Michael Irvin's, these kinds of things. I mean, some of them weren't really living great lives, but they were good players, and uh, the team was doing well. And she's thought about that. And I mean, I, I thought to my brother, like, okay, I know you know she's a fan, but here's the deal: you sort of added insult to injury this year. I mean, they were uh, the whole NFC East. Boy, that they, they was a that was abysmal. Well, you may be disappointed in who's playing in the Super Bowl or disappointed in how your team is faring, maybe in college basketball. But here's the deal those aren't like deep sorrows. Now, I don't want to make light, but you know the deep sorrows, right? This has not been the easiest time in our nation. This has not been the easiest time in the world. This has been a time when we have grieved over the behaviors of those who we're supposed to put our trust in and hope in as far as uh, leading a nation. This has been a time when we have lost friends and family and neighbors. I just got word this week my mother-in-law lost another friend. That's like three within the last two weeks uh, to various diseases, including COVID. And it's just a time of sorrow. Nehemiah was in a time of sorrow. And it says the word, in chapter 1, the words of Nehemiah, the son of Hekeliah, in the month of Kislev, in the twentieth year, while I was still in the citadel of Susa. Hanani, one of the brothers, came from Judah with other men, and I questioned them about the Jewish remnant that had survived the exile. Now this probably included those who had returned already. Uh, From exile. He said, and also about Jerusalem. How is the capital city? What is going on? What has happened? They said to me, those who survived the exile are back in the province. They are in great trouble and disgrace. The walls of Jerusalem, the wall of Jerusalem is broken down. Its gates have been burned with fire. Now, For those of us who live in cities without walls, that might not seem to be that big of a deal. But Nehemiah and the people of his day knew that without the city walls, there was incredible trouble. You were kind of open open for people to come in at night and steal, open for businesses during the day to sneak in and and not pay any kind of dues or tariffs. You were open really for um, being raided or taken over, murdered perhaps in your sleep. This was actually great trouble. And as a city that had been one, where King David uh, had been and, and, and conquered the lands around him, where King Solomon had ruled, really from from Aram all the way to to Egypt. Um, This was a city now destroyed and broken down. It was disgraceful. The city was our symbol. Like, See how our God is with us. See how we are experiencing His favor. They were in great trouble and distress. The Proverbs actually echo this idea. In Proverbs 25, 28, it says, Like a city whose walls are broken through is a person who lacks self-control. What is it saying? (laughs) If you don't have self-control, how are you going to maintain anything in your life? Without self-control, we don't get up. Without self-control, I'm late to work. Without self-control, my health is deteriorating because of not taking care of my body and not watching um, what I'm eating. Without self-control, I can easily be lured into sin. Without self-control, the things that I value most can be taken and can be stolen. For the people of God, during the days of Nehemiah, this was literally the things could be stolen. Literally, they could lose their lives. Literally, everything was threatened because their city walls were broken down. It was great trouble and great disgrace. The Amiah says, When I heard these things, I sat down and I wept. For some time, he says, I mourned and fasted and prayed before the God of heaven. Before the God of heaven. Now, that's not usually what I think of. I, I want to sing for joy before the Lord. I want to cry out with Excitement when I come to his presence. That's what I look forward to. And yet we see this man of God sitting down and weeping sitting down mourning fasting Praying before God, you know, sometimes it's right to grieve Sometimes it's right to grieve when we feel though that that the weight of the loss when we see things just, I mean, people storming the Capitol, I grieved. I was like, I've never seen something like this. I know there are protests. I know there is anger. But what is going on? It doesn't make any sense. I grieved. I literally, it, it took me days. In fact, I stopped watching some of the news for a while because I was just, I was overcome with sorrow. I just, I just, I was like, really, really disturbed. And, and many of you were as well, I'm sure. Sometimes it's right to grieve. We need to always think about the hope that we have in Christ and eternal life, absolutely. But even the Apostle Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 says, do not grieve like men who have no hope. He doesn't say do not grieve. He doesn't say do not grieve. We don't grieve like men who have no hope. Instead, we need to respond like Nehemiah. Even in the sorrow, even while he's fasting and mourning, he's actually seeking God. In James chapter 4, we're reminded of the appropriateness to grieve when he says, Come near to God, and he will come near to you. So wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter into mourning and your joy into gloom. James says when sin is in our own lives, when we've walked away from the Lord, when we've not been in His presence, when we've not been pursuing Him, it's time to wash our hands. It's time to purify our lives, to, to, to get that stuff out of here. Like Jesus, when He just was so upset and cleansed the temple. If we're being double-minded, we can't walk with the Lord that way. When there is sin in our own lives, we grieve, we mourn, we wail there's appropriate times for grief, for grief over our own sin and grief over the sin of the world. It's okay to be sad when we see the brokenness of Baltimore. It's okay to be sad when we're seeing people dying around us, when we see people in jeopardy, when their economic ruin is upon lives and homes. It's okay for us to be sad and mourn and pray. In times of trouble and disgrace, we need to be like Nehemiah. And the first thing we'll see in this passage is that he prayed, and as he prayed, he remembered God's character. His prayers were not just, oh, woe is me, but his, oh, woe is us and our nation. He first began with praise. He began lifting up God. He began reciting the characteristics Um, of God's goodness and who he is. Let's look in Nehemiah. What does it say? Chapter 1 verse 5. Then I said, Lord, the God of heaven, how great and awesome, you are the great and awesome God, who keeps his covenant of love with those who love him and keep his commandments. What is it saying? The God of heaven. How great and uh, the great and awesome God. He remembers that God is in control, that he is powerful, that he holds the universe in his hands. And this God is not just a God who does whatever he wants. I mean, he can do whatever he wants, obviously. But he keeps his covenants. He keeps his promises. He is always faithful. One of my favorite psalms that I feel like I use with students all the time is Psalm 910. It just says, those who know your name will trust in you, because you, O Lord, have never forsaken those who seek your face. Have never forsaken those who seek his face. And I know we're not supposed to add anything to scripture, but I like to add this phrase. And he's not starting with you. You're not going to be the first person in all of history that God's like, oh, yeah, I forgot about them. Oh, were they in trouble? Whoops, I missed that one. Oh, I didn't have a plan for that situation. Gosh, that that sort of caught me off guard. That that happens to me all the time. I I can't even get the monitor to work right. But God is never caught off guard. He's always got a plan. He's always got it together. He always cares about you. Jesus said, even the hairs on your head are numbered. God knows that if you lost one of them today, he knew it. Our God cares for us. When we go to the Lord in these times of difficulties, we begin by reciting the truths about His character, not because He needs to know it. (laughs) He already knows who He is. We need to remember who God is. The great and awesome God. The one who keeps His covenant of love to those who love Him and keep His commandments. He goes on to pray, let your ear be attentive and the eyes open to the prayer. Uh, Your servant is praying before you day and night for your servants, the people of Israel. God, you're a compassionate God. You're a loving God. Hear the prayers I'm praying for your people. Nehemiah went with confidence before the Lord because he remembered God's character. Number two today, let's think about this. When we go before the Lord, We need to confess our sins and the sins of the community. Go before that we confess our sins and the sins of the community. The next verse, Isaiah says, I confess the sins we Israelites, including myself. He didn't leave himself out. He didn't see himself as righteous. Including myself and my father's family have committed against you. I'm going to confess those. I'm going to put them out there. We blew it, God. We weren't faithful to you, God. We didn't keep your commandments, God. We didn't seek your face. We didn't love you with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. We didn't spend time loving our neighbors like like we should have. God, we failed. He was very aware of his sin. He was very aware of his sin. Not everything is a direct result of our sin, but a lot of the problems in this world, Are part of this because of our sin and the sin of others. Consequences. God is merciful and he doesn't let us go on in that way. So Nehemiah's response was to confess his sins. You know, that always seems to be the response of God's people when we really see God in his holiness and his character. I'm very thankful for Josh leading worship. I'll try to see if I can get to figure out how to get the volume up a little bit um, so you can hear because he's doing a beautiful job. Uh, I appreciate his heart and I'm thankful for the college ministries that keep encouraging these young adults to y- discover their gifts, use their gifts and serve them in the body. This Thursday night at uh, University of Maryland, Baltimore County, UMBC, we are going to have a worship night and the students are gonna lead not just songs, but scripture reading, some testimonies, some time in God's Word. They're going to look at Isaiah chapter 6, which begins with they saw the Lord high and lifted up. His glory filled the temple. Remember, we begin with looking at God's character. But the very next thing in Isaiah chapter 6, he says, Woe is me. I'm a man of unclean lips, living among a people of unclean lips. You see, when we see the Lord in his holiness, Our reaction is confession. Our reaction is admission that we have not been faithful, that we have not been pure, that we have not been holy. The cleansing comes, but it begins with confession. During these days that are difficult in our nation, have you spent time examining your own heart to see where you've not been walking with the Lord? Have you spent time confessing, getting it right? Have you spent time c- confessing the sins of those around us, the sin of racism in our nation, the sins of uh, social injustice, the sins of uh, lying, <laughs> just, I mean, the untruthfulness among leadership, the sins of just hatred? Have you spent time before the Lord saying, this is wrong, O oh God, we have sinned you're thinking well that's not my, i didn't do that i wasn't part of that it's interesting in the scriptures how men like nehemiah like daniel in daniel chapter 9 like ezekiel like ezra they always have this idea of corporate confession where they pray in righteousness for the entire peoples not just their own sin but everyone else You know, it's real easy uh, for me to remember what confession is all about. The Greek word is just homo which means to say the same thing. Homo to say the same thing. You know, that's what confession is. I'm saying, God, you said this is wrong, and I agree with you. This is wrong. You said this doesn't belong in my life. Yes, Lord, this doesn't belong in my life. You have declared that a a nation is to walk in righteousness. And Lord, I, I agree with you. This is not it. And to say, God, I want this out of my life. I want this out of here. I want there to be righteousness. I want there to be renewal. Have you spent time like Nehemiah in confession? He goes on to say, we have acted very wickedly towards you. We've not obeyed your commands, the degrees, the decrees, and laws you gave to your servant Moses. There it is. He's saying the same thing. We acted wickedly, very wickedly, towards you. We haven't obeyed your commands, decrees, laws. Finally, I think to be like Nehemiah, I think to follow this pattern, which I I, I think has a word for us today we need to intercede for God's salvation. The idea is it's not just saying, oh, yep, yep, we're horrible people. Yep, this is all going wrong. But to ask God to move, to ask God to intervene, to ask the one who is our savior to save. Crying out, Hosanna, save. Nehemiah says, remember the instruction you gave your servant Moses saying, if you are unfaithful, I will scatter you among the nations. But if you return to me and obey my commands, then even if your exiled people are at the farthest horizon, I love that point, at the far, they are the farthest point away from me. They are so far that they couldn't come back. They are so beyond redemption. Even they are not beyond redemption because they just, you just can't go far enough. Even if they're at the farthest horizon, I will gather them from there and I will bring them to the place that I have chosen as a dwelling for my name." Isaiah remembered God's promises. Isaiah remembered that you can't go beyond the grace of God, that he promised. That Yeah, he promised judgment. If you're unfaithful, he's promised discipline. But he also promised restoration and forgiveness. In 1 Timothy The Apostle Paul is writing to his young protege, and he's recounting the fact that he was once a blasphemer. He was once a violent man. That was code for, yeah, I used to have Christians killed. I did everything I could to destroy the kingdom of God. And I was supposed to be God's servant. Paul, the greatest hypocrite ever. The murderer of God's people. He says, God had mercy on me, not just to forgive me, but to appoint me as an apostle and herald, so that in me, the chief of sinners, God might display the limitless nature of his grace. You can't go too far. If you return, if you would trust in Jesus as your savior, if you trust in his sacrifice on the cross for sins, Jesus forgives. God restores. Even from the farthest horizon. Nehemiah says, They are your servants, your people, whom you redeemed. We are the people of God. If you put your trust in Him, if you've accepted Jesus as your Savior, we are the redeemed, purchased back by the precious blood of Jesus. His great strength and His mighty hand is it the only thing that can earn your salvation? You can't do it. But God has done it. He says, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servants and the prayer of your servants who delight in revering your name. Give your servant success today by granting him favor in, this, in, in, in the presence of this man. I was cupbearer to the king. Nehemiah ended up with a prayer for success. Not just success in life, like, Lord, bless the ministry, Lord, bless my business, Lord, bless my family, but success for the purposes of God, for the kingdom of God. In this moment for Valley Baptist Church, it's a time to pray. It's a time to say, Lord, let your kingdom come. Your will be done. He's placed some of you in strategic locations maybe in leadership positions, maybe in your work. Nehemiah had a job. He was the cupbearer, the one who brought in the wine, who brought in the drink and had to taste it first to make sure it wasn't poison. It really probably wasn't the greatest job. Um, You know, it's like, oh, 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 yep, this one's poison. He just kind of died, I guess. It's probably not the great, I don't know. It's got job security for a while, I guess. Uh, But he was cupbearer to the king. It was his job to be that trusted servant to make sure it wasn't poisoned. This cupbearer to the king had access to the throne. He knew that God had placed him in a strategic location to be perhaps this instrument of God. And he was willing to take out, to step out in faith. This morning, as we pray, as we mourn and grieve in a nation that is having a difficult time, in a congregation that is struggling to figure out, God, what do you have for us? Would you first step out in faith? Would you step out in sorrow and in mourning? Would you cry out to the Lord? Would you spend that time in confession? Because He has promised 1 John 1, 9, that if we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us of all unrighteousness. Church, will you be those that recite and remember God's character, confessing and asking the Lord to grant success, his success, his plans, not yours, but that the Lord would have his way. And I do always want to speak to those that may not know the Lord today. Maybe you pretended for old years. Oh, I mean, you know, you've been to church, but you know in your heart that you have harbored and held sin rather than confess and get it out. Rather than say, yes, Lord, I agree. This doesn't belong anymore. God, I need your forgiveness because I don't have it. If that's you today, would you trust Jesus? Would you trust him as your savior? Let's pray together. Father, thank you for your word today and how it speaks. Lord, thank you that even in the midst of Great troubles and small. You are God and you are near. Guide your people. Hear our prayer and grant success in the midst of these difficult days. We pray these things knowing that you hear us because of the redemption and mercy we found in your Son. And so we pray in his name, the name of Jesus. Amen.